listening to episode 38, chapter one of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're talking with Sid and Jeff Holsclaw about their book, Does God Really Like Me? Sid and Jeff are both pastors at Vineyard North in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sid is also a ministry and life coach and a spiritual director. And Jeff is an affiliate pastor of theology at Northern Seminary and is the co-author of Prodigal Christianity. They've been married for 20 years and have two teenage boys. Most of us have some vague sense that God loves us. We hear that idea thrown around a lot in our churches. After all, God is love. And it's because of his love for us that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. But for a lot of us, this idea that God loves us remains an idea. It's in our heads. We have a hard time getting that idea from our heads down into our hearts so that we feel connected to God and his love. And that's why I love the idea that Jeff and Sid Holsklaw are putting forth in their book, Does God Really Like Me? Because it's one thing to hear someone tell you that God loves you. It's another to hear that God actually likes you and wants to connect with you. For those of us who have a hard time walking in God's love, this realization can open doors to experiencing joy in God's presence as he shows us who we are as his beloved sons and daughters. We are here talking with Sid and Jeff Holsklaw. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. here. So excited to talk with you today about your book, Does God Really Like Me? Discovering the God Who Wants to Be With Us. Uh, Because this book speaks to, well, me personally in a very profound way. And it's something that's really, Josh and I are really, really passionate about at Daily Growth Discipleship. Because we've struggled with it. We've struggled with it, exactly. And we've seen how important it is when we get these brief glimpses of knowing our identity, who we really are. And you guys are addressing this issue in a really, really awesome way, which is, does God really like me? And so when I saw this book, I was like, okay, we have to talk with you guys because I haven't read it yet, but man, this resonates with me because maybe I can get the idea that, okay, maybe God kind of loves me, but he certainly doesn't like me. So before we get ahead of ourselves, let me start with asking, why did you guys write this book? What brought that about? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm really glad that the title grabbed you because we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what in the world to call the book. Uh, So I'm glad that the title leaped out at you. Um, The whole purpose for writing the book is mostly in the subtitle, Discovering the God Who Wants to Be With Us. Um, Because in our own experience in the Christian life and just with um, pastoral experience that we've had and just talking with having conversations with ordinary everyday people, it seems like in in the church, and I, you know, it's I don't know that it's anybody's fault necessarily, but we don't get a lot of understanding of joy in God's presence. Um, there's a lot of maybe um, understanding of God's holiness and God's greatness and God's majesty and God's sovereignty, but God actually takes such great delight in being with His people. And when God, when someone is glad to be with you, we do talk about in the book, we talk about joy and shame quite a bit. And when someone is glad to be with you, the experience of being in a room with someone who's glad to be with you brings joy. It brings just this excitement of this person is actually really glad to be with me. That feels really good. And we really wanted people to help. We wanted to help people understand that that's actually what we can experience every time we're in God's presence, because God is always glad to be with us. He wants to be with us. In fact, the story of all of scripture is about how he has always wanted to be with his people. 
And so wanting to sort of reinvigorate joy, uh, reminding people that there's gladness in God's presence. And just like you were saying, a lot of people know cognitively that God loves them, but we really wanted to kind of flesh that out, make it more concrete. And so we use a lot of other words besides joy throughout or besides love throughout the book. So we do use joy. We uh, talk about delight. We talk about presence. Um, we ask questions like, is God disgusted with me? Does God like me? Is God finished with me? Um, and all these different kinds of things, because people are asking these questions. And when you ask those questions, then you can kind of get at the answer. Well, yeah, God really does love you in all these different ways, not the abstract kind of like, oh, he loves me because he has to and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's so true. Again, because we, we sort of get stuck in that one vein, love, love, love. But coming at it the way that you do with all of these uh, different angles and then especially with the stories to really drive the thing home. And I love all of the, uh, you know, you're, you're very heavy in the book on talking about lessons you've learned with raising kids. And, and because that's such a vulnerable place in your life. And, and that's, you know, the metaphor for us would live, you know, in relation with our father that I think it comes across uh, so powerfully. One of the things I love, though, that you hit right at the beginning is how you define joy, because I never would have put together um, this idea of identity like you're talking about with joy, because I would I would I would have thought they had nothing to do with, with each other, you know, honestly. So um, t tell me how you see those things, those two things relating to one another, because I think most of the time when we think about joy, at least me, I think about all the things I have to do. So like if I'm able to do all of those things right, then I'll find joy. Like that's what joy means for me. And uh, you guys flip that totally and completely, and that's not really the case. Well, I'll start off with what joy isn't, and then Sid can say what joy is. So we try to make clear early on that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, happiness can be found in circumstances. It can, it can be found in people, found in situations, and it kind of comes and goes, right? You can be happy because you have this, and then you're not happy because you don't have that. Um, and so we try to kind of talk about how joy is not that. Uh, but then also, I think we have like a theological kind of block when it comes to the concept of joy, because a lot of times we think, well, God's so serious. And I think we get this from our pastors and preachers because like the gospel and sin and it's all so serious. And so God must be serious. And so the idea of joy, it seems like the wrong kind of category. Yeah. So Sid, why don't you tell us what what joy is? Yeah. So we talk about joy in the book. Uh, we use a definition that's really done by Jim Wilder, but it's that joy is the, is the experience of being with someone who's glad to be with you. And so joy is a relational emotion. It's not something that you experience in isolation. It's something that you experience in relationship with another person or with God. And so when you are with this person who's glad to be with you, then what you experience is called joy. And when you're with someone who's not glad to be with you or with when you're with someone, but you're very disconnected from each other, then that's that's we call that the experience of shame or disconnection. And you asked about the connection between joy and identity because mm -hmm. you said that that's really important to you. And so it's it's pretty fascinating because uh, I don't want to go off on a tangent. So stop me if you don't want me to talk about this. But the idea that when you're you're born with these big emotions and everybody is hardwired with these basic emotions when you're born. But joy is not one of those. We're not born with joy. Joy has to be built through the attachment with a caregiver. And the joy center, the area of your brain that experiences joy, is the same area of your brain that eventually develops into the concept of self. Mm -hmm. And so without a strong joy foundation, it's really hard to know who you are. 
And so that can feel like really bad news for people who maybe didn't start with a childhood that's full of joy and connection with their caregivers. But the really good news that we want to proclaim in the book is that it's never too late Mm -hmm. because God is always there to be available to build that joy in you, which then can also solidify your identity and help you know who you are. That's great, because that's what I was going to ask about that. If joy is so wrapped up with that sense of self and identity, um, are people broken who don't have that? Like there's just, I mean, there just seems to be some of the people, and I think I think for even me, I've struggled with that. Even though I've lived a really great life, um, it's just really hard for me sometimes to accept that, uh, well, I, I guess to have that that level of joy. And so you, you end up sort of going through this cycle of questioning, well, you know, is there something wrong with me that it looks like everybody else can get, get on with ourselves? Um, but for some reason I can't. But you're, you're saying there might be something broken, but that's not the end of the line, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all broken, but that it's all redeemable because in God's presence, there's always joy, even for those of us who haven't experienced it in human relationships. And so even if we haven't gotten our, our, our joy like in childhood, and there's a lot of people with trauma, neglect, abuse, um, who don't kind of have that strong, uh, what Jim Wilder, he calls the strong like foundation or base of, of joy. And this is all of humanity because of sin and the fall. Like we, we missed that, that joy, uh, foundation. And yet God is always offering, um, his presence to us able to like build up that joy, even little by little. And so we actually have spiritual practices throughout the book that just try to find little nuggets of joy. And so at the very beginning, after we talk about joy, we just say, just find one memory that makes you happy. Find one place that you've been recently um, where you just felt at peace, you know, and just hold on to that place and let that be like an initial place of joy. And then we, you know, we try to help people invite God into these spaces. So, the, so we, yeah. Yeah. And then building on that memory of, you know, something where you felt at peace and then seeing that as a gift from God who then turns it into a more relational emotion and then beginning to ask, how is God in this place or how is he present here? is that's just building on those spiritual exercises in the book. Yeah. yeah. No, and those are great. Again, I feel like we're going to jump. We're probably going to jump all over the place. There's so many different directions we can go right now. (laughs) So let's just go down that one on the, on those specific exercises. Um, so if somebody's struggling with that and they go through this exercise, right, you call it your, the, um, yeah, you call it the joy place. Um, how do you go about using that maybe as a daily meditation then just to, just to, bring that into focus and and then to begin to meditate on that each and every single day? Is, is that what we should do? Yeah. Well, I mean, our brains practice, right? That's one of the things you guys talk about with discipleship too. It takes practice. Mm-hmm. Well, brains, the way that we think, we can actually literally change the structure of our brains by the things that we choose to think about and the things that we choose to meditate on and dwell on. And so by choosing to often bring to mind places where you have received gifts from God, places that are full of, you know, experiences that are joyful for you, continues to train your brain to experience joy continues to build your capacity to experience joy. And then what's amazing is that as you, as you build your capacity to experience joy, that same capacity is also available to you when you're experiencing pain or sorrow and that you're not going to be as overwhelmed as quickly by pain and sorrow. If you have practiced building your capacity to experience joy. So a practice, a daily practice of just remembering times of joy can actually do amazing structural change in your brain. And I think sometimes, um, you know, some people listening, oops, 
And some of us can feel like, oh, that joy, that this feels like a bridge too far. And so actually you can just start with smaller things of just little areas of gratitude. Just being thankful That's it. for things um, is like kind of like that first foundation. And, it, and what, what like neuroscience is learning about the brain and about how gratitude like turns on different relational circuits and actually integrates your brain in a positive way. It's interesting that even in the Psalms, like we're told to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Like in one sense, God was already training Israel into all these kinds of things that you come into God's presence most easily. You find joy in God's presence most easily if you start with gratitude. And so maybe you're like, oh, that joy thing, that kind of, I don't know, I don't even get all that. Just start with gratitude. Hey, you're alive today. Hey, you know, you had something, you know, you woke up, you know, I had water or, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Just something to be grateful for. And it's from those little places that you can build the capacity for more joy. And then you'll probably end up seeing more of God throughout your life because you're starting to pay attention to those things. That's, uh, that's huge for us. So gratitude is one of the, the big focuses that we have in, in practicing the basics. So we've got a, uh, we also have a, a tool that uh, Chris created called the Daily Growth Journal. And every single one of these uh, days in the Daily Growth Journal is guided with different prompts and things like that. But the very first one each day is what are three things that you're thankful for? Uh, we found that gratitude is such a powerful tool for transformation. Uh, like you said, it brings awareness. It's, it's an awareness of what God's doing in your life. You're looking for the things that he's doing. You're looking for the good things in life and, and dwelling on those. And actually, one of my favorite uh, ways of looking at this uh, actually came from a sermon that we heard a couple weeks ago at our church. Um, mm. Our pastor was talking about uh, one of the main problems in uh, the human fallen condition is a lack of gratitude. Um, it's a lack of recognizing the good things that God has given, not being thankful for them, and going to look somewhere else for those things. Uh, it's really yeah. what caused the fall and, and every other problem that we face. Yeah, that misplaced yeah. gratitude becomes idolatry yeah. as we, mm -hmm. we begin to worship other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and St. Ignatius of Loyola talked about if you, the sin of ingratitude being the root of all other sins. Mm. And, I mean, so he was onto that several hundred years ago. But that yeah. idea that, like, the lack of gratitude, it's also a lack of humility, right? If you can't yes. recognize yes. that you're receiving, then you feel like you must be doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. But when you receive it as a gift, you know it didn't come from you. And that's a, a humility there, too. Yeah. See, what I love about your definition of joy, though, is it's relational. And it's how it's sort of uh, changing the way I'm looking at gratitude. Because Karl Barth, I think it, he said that gratitude is the simplest form of joy. Um, so like I, I have used gratitude, like you're saying, as, as a way of getting at joy because I don't know how to be joyful. You know, I can't just sit here and will myself into, in, into joy, but, but I can't can find be, a little thing, but I can't, huh? But you can find a little yeah, thing. Exactly. I can be glad that I woke up in a warm bed this morning. Right. Or I had a great cup of coffee, but what I, what I think I've missed from that practice that you guys have really helped me see is that I need to really connect that to someone. And in this case, it needs to be God, <laughs> you know? So even though I'm sitting alone by myself and I've got my great cup of coffee and that sort of, I'm just grateful. I have that peace, that routine, that, that moment, the caffeine, whatever it is, I'm not just grateful for the thing, but I'm grateful to the one who makes the thing possible. And I think that's gotta right. be a serious part of my practice going forwards. Right, because that takes it from the place of just contentment, which is awesome. I mean, it's great to be content, 
But joy is a step further than contentment because it's the contentment, but then it's the connection with the one who gives you the contentment. Yeah. And the, yeah. See, that's good. So. That's really good. Because that even separates it from Stoic philosophy. It does, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, Stoic philosophy's right. made a really big resurgence lately, and I think there's a lot of good wisdom and practical advice there, but you're right. The The goal of Stoicism is just contentment and not joy. Well, and I know there's a lot of discipleship, and we saw this even in our kids for a little while, where uh, to follow Jesus means your life is joyless, it's hard, you're carrying your cross, and it must be miserable, Otherwise, you're probably sinning and you're falling into gluttony or laziness <laughs> or infidelity. And I think that that, um, that could be really detrimental long term to faithful discipleship until there's joy and delight built into discipleship. And, and the suffering and the difficulty comes because the world is fallen, mm-hmm. not because we're following Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even connecting that it was it was joy that allowed that took Jesus to the cross, right? It was because it was for the joy set before him. So it was, it was that vision of bringing fellowship and union with God and humanity again, that allowed, that gave him the strength to endure everything that he endured. It wasn't because it was like, I'm doing my duty as the son of God, as much as it was, I see the, I see where this is going. I'm bringing God's people and God, I'm bringing our people back to us. Mm -hmm. Right. We have been separated. I'm bringing us back together. And that was the joy that gave him the strength to endure the suffering of the cross rather than mere obedience. Yeah. Even though Jesus is obedient, of course. Joy begins with gratitude. If you struggle to feel joy, start by expressing gratitude for something to God or another person. Because it's when we're thankful that we begin to realign our identities with Christ. And it's in that place of relationship that we find joy. And it's in this place that we discover God really does like us. Not through gritted teeth or out of some obligation, but he really does like us. So if you have a hard time believing God really does like you, or if you struggle to feel joy in your relationships, I want to challenge you to find three opportunities today to express gratitude either to God or to someone else. And it doesn't have to be something big that they've done. It can be as simple as thanking them for being a friend. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Sid and Jeff's work, check out DoesGodReallyLikeMe.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Sid and Jeff unpack how the fall was the death of joy. 
If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 